Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I'm your co-host, Dark Celine. And I'm your main host, the Artificial Dragon. And welcome to the uh, second episode of a podcast, this year of a podcast, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day. The day of the recording of this episode will be Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So I hope you are having a wonderful federal day holiday off or getting those extra work hours. I definitely know I am. But uh, yeah. Hey, um, that makes no difference. <laughs> At least in my case. Oh, man. But uh, real life things aside, I'll go ahead and get the uh, Patreon things out of the way. But I think I'll do this first. Shout out to all the smugglers who have contributed to the podcast. Uh, it's been a while since I did this, but I'll give everybody a shout out. <clears throat> uh, thank you so much for Y Wolves, Cameron Lee, Dr. Emboss. Gobez, Tristan H, and last but not least, Irk the Turtle. Turtle. Yeah, one of our most uh, loyal Patreons for the past couple of years. And I think just a loyal Patreon, but a damn good friend. Oh yeah, he's been uh <laughs> yeah, he's been helping out with uh, a lot of D D sessions, both on my side and Hannah's side. So thank you so much for being such a good friend to us, Irk the Turtle. That comes from right in the heart, bruh. Uh, shout out to, uh, oh, not shout out, but, uh, support my blog. Yeah. Sorry, I'm tired. Long work day. Yeah, I feel you, Hannah. But yeah, shout out to Celine's Cantina. It's really nice that, uh, you actually gave your, I suppose, Q&A Switor side of things a, uh, identity, if that makes any sense, Hannah. Yeah, it's like, uh, answering questions and I'm trying a little bit of a short story now. Yeah. A short story format. So, uh. Part one and two are already published, so if you want to go check that out, please do. Yeah, I think it's a really nice read, especially when uh, you haven't done too much writing recently, Hannah. But yeah, it's really nice to see you back in the writing gig right now. I'm trying to, at least. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I always appreciate a uh, fellow writer. That reminds me, I need to try doing my own novels one of these days. That and you need to send me questions. <laughs> like everyone else needs to send me questions. Don't worry. Only Eric has been sending me questions aside from one from Emboss. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll uh, I'll lob you a couple of questions after this uh, episode is done. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> you are definitely welcome, Darth Celine. But yeah, um, for all of you that love our content, once again, you could go contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Once again, that's patreon.com slash where you could contribute to any amount, the lowest being $2 and the highest being $10. And any amount you contribute to, you could have instant access to our Discord server where you could talk general Star Wars lore, uh, share memes, and just have a good old fun time with us or or just ask people if they want to play Star Wars games here and there. I finally still got a Star Wars Empire at War. It, the controls are hard as fuck, but I'm trying. <laughs> it is an old game, so that's understandable, Hannah. Um, oh yeah, another live stream idea we should try out some one of these days. Oh lord. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll quickly get this uh, Patreon reward out of the way. Uh, this month... For our Patreon art piece, we have a sexy uh, Satio Sean. I finally remembered her name this time. But uh, yes, <laughs> Satio Sean. If you love your uh, your Dami Lami 
uh, MILFs, there's a Jedi version of that now. So go ahead and check her out, download her, post her as your uh, background for your phone, or just print her out as a general poster or something like that. I've got Count, I've got our Count Dooku as my phone background and our Valkorian as my uh, home, my lock screen. Oh, you was, how long have you had those things? Like a year or so right now? Almost over a year. Yeah, that is commitment, Hannah, and I appreciate that. I know, I'm surprised I don't have Thrawn anywhere, but I can't put <laughs> multiple on, I can't put multiple pictures on my home screen. <laughs> uh, if only we could, you know, collect them all with the dynamic trio, but you know, you got your priorities straight, Hannah. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, but um, I, I'm more leaning towards Thrawn after uh, finishing *Heir to the Empire* and the uh, the trilogy that follows that. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, how you react to those uh, novels. I heard they're pretty good. They are very good. Highly yeah. recommended. All right, *Heir to the Empire*. I'll have to listen to it for myself, but uh, semantics. Um, but anyway, anyway, moving on to the meat of the episode. Yeah, the main meat of this episode, Hannah. Um, I already told it to you last episode, and I think it's fresh in your mind. What are we doing today, Hannah? Part two of the Jedi Order? History yes. of the Jedi? Yes, that is correct. We're doing a part two of the Order of a Jedi Order. The history of the Jedi Order. Yeah. So if you do recall from last time, we were basically, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, um, <clears throat> we were basically talking about less the, well, kind of the origins of a Jedi Order and more about its predecessor state, which is the Jedi Order. The Jedi. Yeah, I know. I always, uh, <laughs> the weird spelling always throws me off and gotta add that die at the end. <laughs> But yeah, um, as we recall, the Jedi Order had a balance between the light side and the dark side. Very unique, very gray Jedi style of them. And then something changed and they're like, fuck this, we're going to go pure light side now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is where we are going to pick off from our history of a Jedi. So let's go ahead and get into this. So, okay. yeah. Following the Force Wars and the restructuring of the Jedi, the, the Jedi Order into what would become the Jedi Order, the new organization would abandon their homeworld of Typhon because, you know, there's, they have a lot of pure light ciders, so it's probably essentially uninhabitable to live on until, like, many years later during the Old Republic era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the Jedi decided, you know what? We're going to leave Typhon, our old homeworld. We're going to take several of our surviving texts and scriptures, put them on a couple of ships, and go out into the new frontier to find new purpose and a new home for us to uh, rebuild our order and all that. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't exactly go into detail of how long they were out in space for, but they went all the way from the deep core till they... Stopped in the middle of essentially buttfuck nowhere in the in the region of wild space, which, if you recall, is where uh, roughly Camino is. Okay. Yeah. Um. Just a quick refresher: wild space is that region between the outer rim and the unknown regions. It's kind of unexplored, yeah. but not at the same time. It's like there are a few planets in that part of space. Yeah. 
and they stumbled upon this lovely world by the name of Osses, and that is where they build their first Jedi temple. Okay, that was yeah. I. When I was playing the Osses expansion for, uh, I think it was Legacy of the Sith. Oh yeah, I have never before, gone that far. It's one of the kind of recent-ish expansions, but they mention Osses. But I was, I was like. I didn't know that that was a home world for the Jedi before Coruscant and Tython before that. But, yeah. you know, now I know. Yeah, it's always good to get a lot of these contexts. It was Tython, then it was Osses, then it was kind of Coruscant because that's where the main Jedi temple is where the prequels resides. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so, you know... They did their regular thing. They went to Asus, created their own Jedi Temple um, to devote their time toward the Ashla and warning against the evils of the Bogan. Back then, it wasn't quite called the light side and the dark side. It was Ashla and the Bogan. Yep, we mentioned that in part one. Yeah. Um, and uniquely enough, they this was right around the time where the, uh, the Galactic Republic was starting to be founded by, you know, all these founding worlds, like Coruscant, Corellia, Duros, all of that stuff. Uh, the Jedi were kind of aware of the Republic, and they had purposefully kept their distance. Like, okay, uh, those people do whatever they want over there. We want to stay where we are within our own borders and just, you know, leave us alone, and we won't do anything with you guys. Okay. Yeah, they were just uh, kind of isolationists in the beginning. Um, but fortunately, they would welcome... How, how the fuck do we turn into peacekeepers for the Republic? <laughs> We're about to get there, Hannah. Don't worry. Um, All right. But, you know, while the Jedi were just recreating their temple, building up their numbers, uh, they would welcome members of other Force-using organizations within their ranks. And they're kind of doing the classic thing. You know how, like, uh... I'm kind of out of touch with my own uh, history, real world history. But you know how like uh, Catholics would go out and try and reconvert the native inhabitants to Christianity and all that? Yes. It's like either do it or force you to. Yeah, it was it, it wasn't quite like that. But basically the Jedi, you know, they would welcome members from other force using organizations like the Baron du Sages and all those kinds of people. Okay. And it was it was basically them merging their own philosophies and assimilating many other groups into their fold. Like, being inclusive, but kind of, uh, it's kind of like a boiling pot of many different philosophies with the Jedi Order. Because I think they're just trying to figure out what their founding philosophy is. And they're just kind of including other philosophies from all of these rival force organizations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, eventually, um, during this period, the Jedi would still use the traditions of their predecessors, uh, which can be seen with their main weapons, which are the Force Sabers, which are basically the, the katana, but it's imbued with the Force and all that. Oh, okay, I remember that, and, uh, that was also part one, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was part one. Okay. And, yeah, um. It's been a while, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a hot minute, Hannah, but... Yeah, they still use normal-ass swords, but they're imbued with a force. And kind of just keeping up the 
the grand tradition that was created by the Great Temple that was uh, based at the center of a volcano, which is the most metal thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and basically, they would use the sword and the creation of the sword as a initiation ceremony. And they would still imbue them with force energy, you know, for self-defense and all that. I mean, they're not exactly going out and conquering other civilizations. It was just there for self-defense and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, though, eventually, the Jedi would start to get closer to creating the iconic weapon, which is, you know, their lightsaber. A lightsaber. Yeah, through reverse engineering of the Rakata Force Saber, which, if you recall, is basically the ancient lightsaber, but they activate it by using the dark side of the Force. Oh. Was that also in the first we Jedi episode, or...? We briefly talked about that in the first Jedi episode, but I think we got more into depth with that with the uh, lightsaber episode like several years ago. That's been how many years now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back when a uh, kid. Yeah, back when kid was a regular member of the podcast. We miss you, buddy. Yeah, we miss you, kid. I'm not sure if you watch these videos, but we miss you. Anyway. But yeah, um, <clears throat> they would. Uh, the prototype of a lightsaber wasn't exactly there. It was just in the developmental stages. So in the meantime, they're just using normal everyday swords as their main weapon. Their main icon of peace, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Many years later, they would eventually make contact with the Republic. And both of them would become allies. Though the Order opted to remain isolationist, but still supporting the Republic's goal of peace from afar. They're not exactly participating in the politics of the Republic. They're just like, hey, we'll do our thing over here. Um, if you need us, we'll support you in any way we can. But uh, don't expect us to go to war with you if you ever do or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, this... Ironically enough, became a huge boon for the Republic because, you know, there's numerous alien cultures that's part of the Republic and a lot of philosophers, all of these great thinkers who have these revolutionary ideas on peace throughout the galaxy, that sort of thing. <clears throat> and um, through this connection, uh, they would attract this group of aliens called the Kamasi. You probably remember the Kamasi, don't you? Yes, I do remember the Kamasi. Yeah, they're like the... What's a they're good... They're weird looking. Yeah, they're like a kind of shrew people, I guess is the best description of them. The way they have the art of them for the races in Star Wars 5e, yeah. they look like weird bat creatures, and it's just like completely different to the Chadra fans. They have like fucking huge noses. <laughs> yeah, they kind of do, actually, yeah. But shorter ears, but uh, semantics mm-hmm. anyway. Um... So the Kamasi, there would be an individual Kamasi who would go to the Jedi uh, Temple and he would preach these principles of justice. And eventually these principles would lay the groundwork for the Jedi's order on the Jedi's view of galactic justice and their role as peacekeepers. So if you really think about it, the Kamasi were the ones that influenced the ideals of the Jedi Order and all of that. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It is pretty interesting. But despite this new era of enlightenment for the Jedi Order, the 
and uh, you might see a huge trend throughout a lot of these episodes, uh, the High Council would assert its authority over members of the Order, limiting individuality and crafting several exclusivary regulations. So they made the rules. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> you think the Jedi during the prequels was uh, arbitrary? Oh boy, they had... They didn't have shit to the early High Council. Oh, I'm sure. They're probably <laughs> strict as hell. Oh, yeah. They are very restrictive. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure it was pretty obvious from the beginning, but they would absolutely restrict any study on the Bogan, a.k.a. the Dark Side of the Force. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, This attempt by the Jedi Council would limit free thinking amongst its members. Uh, and this notion would be challenged by a prominent Jedi Knight. Let me go ahead and prepare an image for him. Uh, and this Jedi is goes by the name of Xandor. Uh, think of Xandor as kind of basically Anakin, Revan, uh, Exarchoon, all of those. Of his yeah, time. the Exarchoon of his time. Yeah. Um, he's that guy with a sword. He kind of looks like a badass. Well, yeah. He probably <laughs> doesn't look like a chick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was looking at comments that on... concept is actually really cool. Yeah, he looks absolutely cool. That, uh, that katana also looks really cool. That's what I said. The katana concept looks awesome. Yeah. They I... look like force-wielding samurai. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much does look like a samurai, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, I was, uh, before we were doing recordings for this episode, I was looking at comments for the uh, sneak preview of this week's episode. And, uh, one of our fellow YouTubers, um, Darth Matu, actually made a comment. And he was like, oh, hey, it's Xandu, the Giga Chat himself. I think I saw that earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Xandu. Yeah, yeah. Um, Xandor, he, there's not too much known about him, as you'll see a common theme with these types of characters. There's, their past is kind of shrouded in mystery. Like, we don't know his childhood. Uh, we don't know uh, his exact age. But we do know a little kind of bit. Kind like Exarchoon. Yeah, pretty much like Exarchoon. Fortunately, we do know what world he came from. So, uh, yeah, um... Xandor was formerly a member of the Kashimur dynasty. Uh, it's basically one of those ancient human civilizations that was, uh, from what I could remember, they're basically a, uh, it's very self-explanatory. It's basically a uh, empire. It's very similar to the dynasties of China and all that stuff. Okay. So yeah, um, his look as a uh, ancient samurai. Well, okay, it's but it's a different part of Asia, but you get what I'm talking about. Yes. But yeah, um, eventually Xandor would be exiled, uh, and a very, very perfect timing because his homeworld was consumed by a supernova, effectively making Xandor the last of his unique civilization. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of tragedy with Xandor right off the bat. It builds character. Yeah, it does. Uh, fortunately, I mean, it doesn't exactly say how old he was, but I'm just going to reckon he was like a teenager or a young adult by the time he was accepted into the Jedi Order. Okay. But yeah, um, he... Yeah, they weren't taking kids yet. 
No, I yeah, this was uh this was basically the implementation before they went to indoctrinating kids and all that fun stuff. <laughs> I would reckon because it doesn't have any mention of that sort of practice, but the High Council hasn't changed in the very least. No, no. They <laughs> But yeah, um, fortunately, Xandor, he would be accepted to the Jedi Order, and he would slowly climb up the ranks, eventually becoming a well-respected Jedi Knight. And he was noted as one of the more outspoken members of the uh, High Council's more closed-minded policies, because he was all about training the ways of the Bogan, you know, learning about it and Perhaps utilizing it in a way that doesn't corrupt one to the dark side or anything like that. But the High Count's like, no, 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 you can't do that, no matter what. It's just like strict, no, you no, you, you can't do that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, within the Order, he would come across a woman by the name of Arden Lynn, who is a, the woman right next to him. Okay. But I'll, I'll actually send you a better picture of her, because she is honestly kind of an interesting character. Oh, wow. Yeah, she looks cool. Cybernetic arm, that's cool. Yeah, she looks cool as hell. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, where was I? Okay. Um, so Arden, she is part of a religious organization called the Followers of Palawa. And basically, they're an ancient group that studied the Force and Metachlorians, and they developed the martial art known as Teres Kaze. Uh, you may have heard Teres Kaze a couple of times. It's the martial art that uh, Kira and uh, Maul practice in the new canon of Star Wars. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, uh, Dryden Vaz. Uh, there's a lot of uh, expanded lore material. I need to he... watch Solo again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dryden Vaz and Kira would be practitioners of Terrace Kaze. Kira's a badass. She is one of my favorite female characters. Oh yeah, especially in the new it's comics. Too. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the newer comics. She's kind of a badass. I need to start looking at those. <laughs> but yeah, um, Terrace Kaze, uh, you want to know what it's called in basic? Sure. Steel Hand. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so basically Terrace Kaze was a martial art, and you'll probably think this is pretty cool. Terrace Kaze was originally developed by the followers of Palawa as a weapon against the Jedi Order itself. Oh, smart. Yeah, so yeah, the, the followers of Palawa, they kind of have a, a little bit of bad blood with the Jedi Order, because... They, to make a long story short, played a part in invading their world and basically driving them off of it. And they're like, fuck you, we're going to develop this martial art to combat you one day. Okay. Yeah, and Arden Lin is a master of Terrace Kaze. Though she looks like it. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll eventually take another shot. Um, we'll eventually talk about Terra's Kaze one of these days in depth, but it's one of those martial you arts. Putting up your, you just need to start putting up your sticker. <laughs> take another shot. <laughs> but yeah. Um, you need to put up the sticker from the Discord server just eventually. Yeah, yeah. I got to use that more often because, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a meme right now. Uh, with, yes, uh, it has. <laughs> But yeah, um, Arden Lynn, uh, she would 
Before she joined the Jedi Order, she would go to this, uh, long story short, she went to this uh, ancient machine, uh, <laughs> very appropriately called the Oracle. And this ancient device would provide intense visions to any Force users that encountered it. And she saw a vision where she would travel to Ossus, where she would find a man with a clever mind and a fair face, and learn from him the secrets of the Force. Mm -hmm. And Arden Lynn would travel to Ossus, where she too would be taken under the Jedi Order's wing, and she would become a student. Though she also grew dissatisfied with the Jedi, becoming basically pacifists and peacekeepers. Well, it does, it is a trend. It is a very huge trend. But yeah, um, eventually, Xandor would come across Arden. And, you know, Arden would see this man with a fair face. And she's like, oh, this is the guy I was prophesized to get together with and all of that stuff. And, okay. yeah, and she would teach Xandor uh, the philosophies of Teres Kaze. And both of them would, you know, grow this deep bond with each other. And she would become one of his most loyal followers, and eventually his consort. Okay. Yeah, um, and Xandor, while learning everything he can from his lover, he still remained frustrated with a council on restricting the, um, restricting the Bogan, and would eventually approach the Jedi High Council, and he would humbly request... Uh, that he would receive their blessings on opening a new Jedi Academy far from Ossus to explore the darker aspects of the Force. Finally. Yeah, so, yeah, um, Xandor poing the, uh, the honest move here by going directly to the High Council and being like, Hey, I know you guys are a little bit restrictive, but I pledge to you as a fellow Jedi Knight, I want to explore other aspects, and it doesn't have to be here on Osses, where all the, the rest of the Jedi are, we could go somewhere else, we don't have to bother you, just please give me permission to start a new temple in this new line of thinking that we have here. And what do you think the Council said to this? Probably no. Yeah, the, the council would pretty much deny his of request. Of course. <laughs> but, you know, Xandor, he's not the guy who gives up that easily. And he quietly broke his ties with a Jedi Order, and he went off to the world of Latau to open his academy to explore the Bogan. Oh, so first Sith Academy. <laughs> not Basically. I mean, not quite... Dark Side Academy. Yeah, a Dark Side Academy. Not quite Sith Academy, because I think this is like uh, several centuries before the uh, the actual Dark Jedi would go out and, you know, find the Sith and create their first Sith oh. Empire. But yeah, if it isn't obvious already, Xandor, he's not... He, he has the goal of a... He has the right intentions, but, you know, just in the wrong direction, if that makes any sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he would go to Latau, 
And drawing upon the multiple force traditions through the Daibendu, the followers of Palawa, uh, the Kashimur Guardians of Abrev, the Baron Doe, and the Chato's Academy, Xandor's Academy would eventually build itself up, and it would draw a trinkle of interest, which led to growing a small following. Like, he had numerous students, and I think several Jedi of the Oz's Academy joined his side too. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of, he's not the only dude that uh, had a problem with the High Council's restriction on the Bogan. You know, there's a couple of Jedi that are like, hey, maybe we should explore the Bogan, understand it a lot more, instead of closing it off and throwing the key away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um... It would be these acolytes that would name this new group the Legions of Latau, as they believed that they would one day be forced to defend their new traditions from the Jedi High Council's wrath. Okay. But yeah, um, during, uh, so kind of an interesting input on, uh, Xandor's life, uh, so Xandor, he would every once in a while go off into the galaxy to find more knowledge and get much more enlightenment from other Force-using organizations. Um, he eventually would come across a couple of interesting people, as he once recounted to Arden Lin. Uh, so basically, he tells the story of how he stumbled upon a dead world where the Force was worshipped as a trio of beings, and you probably know who these beings are. The Ones. The Ones, and he called these people the Daughter, the Son, and the Father. Hell yeah. Yeah. and that the very first mention of them? I think that is the very first mention of the Ones, at least from a, you know, Legends aspect. I know. <laughs> but yeah. Well, at I, least they're in canon now. So Yeah, at least they're in canon now, which is super dope. Thank you, George Lucas. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, he would encounter these beings, and when Lynn Lynn was pretty curious on what uh, what Xandor found, and she was all like, Well, what did you learn from him? And Xandor, he would cryptid cryptically reply that he might that these beings might have been aspects of a force themselves as we all know the son is the dark side uh, the daughter is the light side and the father might be just the force itself or the balance in between them yeah and when when uh, Lin asked what he had discovered Xandor would laugh and he would say this <clears throat> Even now, you refuse to understand. There are as many truths to the Force as there are hearts within the Force and manifests itself. The existence of a triad has no more bearing on the reality of a Force than the Ashla and the Bogan or anything. I tell you or anything you tell others. Any philosophy, creed, or religion that opens their heart to the Force proves itself to be true. My legions follow the diktats of such a creed. But that is only in demonstration of the application of power, Arden. It says nothing about the rightness of our beliefs, or, or the universality of our faith. 
badass quote. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh he was kind of a uh enlightened individual. Like from what I can gather, his aspect is like uh anybody can worship a force any way they see fit. Like the Jedi going with the aspect of the Ashla, uh the Baron Du just focusing on the force as a whole. Um, it doesn't matter as long as you're worshiping the force, it doesn't matter what creed or what line of thinking or philosophy are going behind it as long as you're worshiping the force that's all that's needed i like that yeah yeah he's uh he was a uh, kind of an enlightened individual of his time like a like a philosopher yeah he was absolutely a philosopher a badass warrior philosopher but yeah a philosopher kit would like that yeah um Though, as more and more followers joined the legions of Latau, they, you know, started going a little bit, you know, dark side, and they uh, embraced their deepest extremes, outright rejecting the idea of order and structure, and celebrated their newfound freedom by giving in to their passions and emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, really going off the deep end right off the bat. And uh, you probably can ascertain what happens next. Yes. <laughs> so, what happened uh, sometime in the 24,500 BBY open warfare exploded between the Jedi Order and the Legions of Latau in what is known in the history of the Jedi as the Great Schism. Okay. And it would later be renamed the First Great Schism because, well, the Second Great Schism was with the Dark Jedi that joined the Sith and all that. Mm-hmm. Now, sources are kind of meddled on who started the war as it varied from account to account with some claiming it was the Jedi Order that saw that started it first after they saw the growing darkness within Xandor's followers and you know wanted to eliminate them right off the bat okay on the other hand uh, some claim it was Xandor who attacked the Jedi first, believing that we they that they would not stand by and allow his precious academy to continue its existence. Okay. But regardless of what is true, Xandor would, you know, uh, Xandor would do everything he can to uh. You know, put a black mark on the Jedi's history. Like, he would outright do propaganda pieces to, you know, uh, draw the citizens of a Republic to his side by claiming that the Jedi Order were trying to seize power under the guise of peacekeepers. So even then, people are against the Jedi. Yeah, and I find that kind of ironic considering that uh, if you... Very ironic. Yeah, which, if you recall, in uh, Revenge of a Sith, uh, Mace Windu kind of considered uh, killing Palpatine and taking control of a Republic and something like that. If only. If only. But fortunately, the Republic saw through the deception and pleaded their aid to the Jedi Order as the Great Schism erupted across many worlds, even on the world of Coruscant itself. It was like a galaxy-wide conflict. Jeez, okay. Yeah, though 
on the world of Kalumis, a force of Jedi, a force of a Jedi order that would be commanded by this Jedi master. I'm not going to say his full name because it's not too important, but this Jedi master was named Pina, but he was otherwise given the moniker of the Green Blade. Okay. So, yeah, I I reckon, uh, yeah, I think it was just an average Jedi sword, but it grew, but it, but it glowed green. That's why he was called the Green Blade. Well, yeah, because this other guy's one is yellow. Yeah. Um. So the Green Blade would cra- would clash against the legions of Latau, which was personally commanded by Xandor himself, and both Xandor and Lin were kind of were kind of heartbroken that they had to fight against the Green Blade because he was one of the few Jedi that was also a free thinker and he Xandor kind of admitted he would have loved to have a Green Blade by his side leading the legions of Latau but he decided to stick with a Jedi order regardless mm-hmm. um so unfortunately um, Xandor would be cut off from his own forces, and he would be struck down by the Green Blade himself. Oof. Yeah, um, kind of a unceremonious ending for Xandor, because he sounds like such a cool character. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I would have loved to, uh, get more information on this guy, but, uh, yeah, he would be unfortunately killed during this battle, and the the command of the legions of Latau would be passed on to his consort, uh, Arden Lin. Nice. Yeah. Um. But even though Arden Lin was a fearsome warrior, she herself, who obviously. Uh, deeply admired Xandor and was his lover, she legitimately believed that with his death, there was little chance for victory against the Jedi Order. Shows how badass the Jedi were. <laughs> yeah, and you you could imagine how grief-strucken Arden Lin was when she saw or heard the news of her uh, lover being struck down by the Jedi. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, she would eventually flee into the unknown regions, though she was followed not far behind by the Green Blade himself, who wanted to, you know, put an end to this legions of Latau through the death of uh, Xandor's uh, consort. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, they landed on this world in the in the unknown regions, and both of them would duel fiercely on the planet. Uh. They went pretty hard. Arden Lynn had her own light, uh, not lightsaber, her own force sword, but eventually her sword would be broken apart by the Green Blade, disarming her of her weapon, and the Green Blade demanded her unconditional surrender. Though unwilling to concede to defeat, Arden Lynn, calling upon her rage and sorrow, which was channeled into this artifact that was gifted to her by a Xandor called the Kashimur Talisman, uh, which gave Arden Lin the physical ability to literally, uh, with a single punch, she was able to destroy the Jedi Master's sword into a million fragments. Wow. 
And she... Just dark side fueled super strength. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And these, most of these fragments would actually embed themselves in the Jedi Master himself, mortally wounding him. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the, the Jedi Master basically laid there dying from this uh, retaliation by uh, Arden Lin's hands. Mm-hmm. But as an act of a retaliation, the Green Blade would call upon the Force to employ a rarely utilized Force technique against Arden Lin, which is called Makariato, which, if you recall, is the Force ability that uh, Yaddle uses. Uh, it's been a while since the Yaddle episode. I can't remember no worries. what it actually does. Okay, no worries. Basically, it's a Force ability that seizes all bodily functions. Oh. So, yeah, um, it seized all of Lynn's functions and ultimately stopped her heart, and she just slumped to the ground. Jeez. Yeah, there's a, there's a reason why only Yaddle was allowed to use that force ability. She didn't abuse it. No, she did not. Only in the, you know, the, the most desperate of circumstances. Fair, but still, damn. <laughs> yeah, um... So yeah, after that, ultimately, the legions of Latau would be completely exterminated on their world of Latau. Though, fortunately, some followers of Xandor would flee beyond the boundaries of the Republic, like Arden Lin did. Um, mm-hmm. And the Great Schism finally came to an end. Though the Jedi would prevail this day. Uh, one of the more famous aspects of the first Great Schism was this little hollow recording of the sole survivor of the Battle of Columnus. Uh, it was recorded by this uh, Padawan of a green blade named Potts. Uh, and basically it's like a one of those, uh, you know, last recording sort of things. And yeah, like final words and testaments. Final words. Uh, final outlook on life, and some of the things he says were kind of interesting because uh, he knew a couple of the uh, Jedi that he fought on the battle, and they were basically uh, the living definitions of a true Jedi Knight and Master, but they went to Xandor's side because they he they thought he had the right idea about the, bo- about the uh, Bogan and everything. Mm-hmm. And so... It kind of uh, puts him into perspective as if, uh, are, was it right for us to attack Xandor and all of that? Was this all for nothing sort of thing? And one of the quotes that he says was, It seems too easy to blame everything on Xandor and the dark side. Maybe we, maybe the Jedi, were partially to blame too. Well, kind of. Yeah, um, which also puts into perspective about a lot of things that we see in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we talked numerous times about Anakin Skywalker uh, being abused by the, by, well, okay. Anakin Skywalker wasn't exactly right in the head and Palpatine took, took no, control of that. No, fucked up. And Palpatine could took control of that, but the Jedi Council... Of course, he's a manipulator. Yeah, but let's be honest, the Jedi Council weren't exactly treating Anakin that well, or no, respected no, him. No, they were not. No. 
but it yeah was, yeah it was it history kind of repeats itself oh yes multiple times we have xandor uh xr coon darth vader count dooku shall i go on <laughs> At least they kind of changed it up with Ray, but it still wasn't good. No, no. I mean, the, the heir to the Empire and the Legends continuity mm -hmm. after that just has so much better content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so much uh, better character, better written characters at least. Yes, <laughs> like Mara Jade. And yeah. Oh yes. Uh -huh. But yeah, um, after the first Great Schism, the Jedi would once again withdraw back to Ossus, remaining isolationist, but they would once again see conflict, not with themselves, but with the Republic when they went to war against the Tyanese. And you probably hear, heard a couple things about the Tyanese in the, in the Old Republic, right? Uh, somewhat. I do believe, like, the home... Oh, god damn it. Uh, what was the Force-sensitive race from Swator again? I forget them right now. Which one? <laughs> you know, that's fair. Uh, 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 the bold ones. Uh, Umbarans? No, no, no. God damn it. Okay, it'll come back to me later, but you did an episode on them. Oh, the Voss. There we go, the Voss. Weren't they in Tyon space? I think so. I think they are in the Tyon sector. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so you at least you know that with that context. But during will of okay, this is more Republic related than it is Jedi. But we'll eventually talk about the the conflict between the Republic and the Tyanese in its own episode. But basically, the Tyanese were a rival human faction that uh, didn't see. Coruscant eye to eye because they were both uh, Yucatopolises and uh, they had a lot of bad blood between each other from what I can remember. Um, so basically the Jedi Order at first didn't want to get involved in this war between the Republic and the Tyon Cluster. But after a long internal debate, the High Council decided to get involved, siding with the Republic and becoming commanders of the Republic Army. Mm -hmm. So basically, they fulfilled the same role they did eventually in the Clone Wars, like, many years later. And they also do it in the Old Republic. Yeah, in Swator. Pacifist my ass! Yeah, the Republic <laughs> is not pacifist. Yeah, um, so while the war was all but won, the Republic decided to sterilize this one world, something of which horrified the Jedi Order. Like, uh, it, wa it wasn't specified what they mean by sterilize. I imagine it was like a bunch of uh, chemical warfare or something like that. That's the reason why the Jedi Order were so horrified by this act. Mm -hmm. But yeah, after this, the Jedi Order would have a meeting with a couple of Republic representatives above the world. And basically, they came to an agreement. They will not serve the government. But they will establish a, a uh, network of watchmen to protect the Prolemian trade route from both the Tyanese and the Huts. And the Republic, in return, would disband its military and start relying on sector and system-based defense fleets. So basically, essentially what uh, the Republic was during the prequels before the clone army came in. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So, yeah, this was kind of a political act by the Republic to gain back the trust of the Jedi Order. Like, hey, we we know we made a huge oops by sterilizing that world, but we're disbanding our military, so we cool now? And, for, and the Jedi Order was like, yeah, we cool now. Nice. Yeah. Um. As for Xandor himself, he would be remembered as the first Dark Jedi, and... It, it was even speculated by Arden Lynn herself that instead of her lover wanting to be slain by the green blade, his spirit would instead be plunged into the dark, or as we know, it's chaos of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And this, hell. yeah, basically hell. Um, though it is important to keep in mind that uh, Arden Lynn wasn't present during the battle where Xandor was slain by the Green Blade. So Arden Lynn probably uh, wanted to grasp at straws at that point. Like, hey, my, my lover is not actually dead. Stop telling me that he's dead. <laughs> but yeah, um, thousands of years later, during the new Sith Wars, there would be this new mysterious figure that would emerge to lead the Sith. And this figure, if you recall from uh, one of our uh, Halloween episodes, specifically the uh, the Ghost Stories one, uh, this figure would be called the Dark Underlord. And one of the speculations that was made about him was basically this was the reincarnated spirit of Xandor, brought back... From the realm of chaos to fight amongst the living. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... I need, to, I need to listen to that episode again. Yeah, yeah. Let me actually send you a picture of a dark underlord to uh, refresh your memory a little bit because... Yeah, it's uh, been a while. Yeah. Yeah, the dark underlord is kind of a badass character. Uh, the dark underlord. But that's just one of the many theories about the dark underlord is that... Xandor came back for revenge as this living specter of a dark side. There we go. Oh. Damn. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. It looks so cool, though. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Arden Lynn herself, though, uh, she would have died by a uh, green blade when he, you know, shut down all of her systems and everything. Um... Though she miraculously survived due to her possessing the Kashimur Talisman, uh, which basically kind of brought her back to life, uh, not completely, you know, killing her because it was uh, it was imbued with her literal rage and sorrow and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And instead, she would fall into what is called a force trance. Um... And along the lines, she would be discovered by an unknown third party who saw her body and decided to make a tomb around her body, sealing her away for many centuries. Mm-hmm. And Arden Lynn, she would eventually be rediscovered during the reign of the Empire, 25,000 years later. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and here's the thing. There were just some random scouts who were just exploring the unknown regions. And, you know, they came across her tomb. And from what it's described, her body was not intact. It was decomposing under that tomb and everything. Um, The moment they disturbed the Kashimur talisman, 
and they left it in her proximity, she would basically be brought back to life. Her skin regrowing and looking as young as she did 25 years, 25,000 years ago. Wow. And believing that uh, she was still in her current era of a Star Wars galaxy, she attacked the scouts, believing that they're servants of a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And after her reawakening, she would attract the attention of Palpatine's personal Jedi hunters, which are called the Inquisitors. Yeah, they do have Inquisitors in the uh, Legends era of Star Wars. Not quite like canon, but yeah, they exist. Mm-hmm. And there were two Inquisitors that went to try capturing her. Um, She was not going down easily, though. She single-handedly killed one of the Inquisitors with her bare hands. And the other one cleaved off her right arm, incapacitating her effectively. And, you know, uh, this impressive individual who's a Force-sensitive and is... Uh, skilled in the art of Terrace Kaze, the, Inqui- the Inquisition would bring Arden Lin before Palpatine himself, who was very impressed by her skills. And, she, and he believed she would prove to be a useful tool against the growing Rebel Alliance, especially after they destroyed his first Death Star. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just a little bit of background. Arden Lin appears in the very first fighting game of the Star Wars franchise called The Masters of Terrace Kaze. It was made back in, like, 1997 or something. Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. It was a long-ass time ago. But, yeah, um, I believe, like, you uh... Know, like you were old. <laughs> Sorry about that, Hannah. Um, but, yeah, Arden Lin... Uh, I know I keep repeating her full name every single time, but I'll just call her Lynn for now. Um, but yeah, Lynn, she would be given a replacement arm. Like if you see in her picture, she has a robot arm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a badass robot arm. It is a badass robot arm. Um, you know, Palpatine would give her a cybernetic arm that was originated from an ancient Republic combat droid. And... Palpatine basically proclaimed Lin as one of the Emperor's hands, which, if you recall, uh, Mara Jade is an Emperor's hand. Yes, and there are more of them. Oh, yes. saying, oh, you're the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, we'll we'll eventually talk about the Emperor's hands and all the other uh, synonymous ranks in the Empire, because there is a lot of them. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, Valkorian had them, too. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, that is fair. One thing that uh, Palpatine took inspiration from. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, so she would serve as Palpatine's Emperor's Hand. And in return, Palpatine led her with a false promise of reviving her long-dead lover, Xandor. So basically the same proposal that Palpatine did with Anakin Skywalker so many years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, Arden Lynn, uh, she's basically a uh, temporal fish out of water. She uh, woke up to a galaxy she does not recognize at all. It reminds me kind of, uh, hang on, uh, the fifth element. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fifth element. Yeah, going back to fifth element again, I still need to fucking watch that movie. Such a good fucking movie. Oh, yes, it is. 
Um, and here is a uh, kind of a heartbreaking quote from uh, Lynn that she recounts. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I I awoke to find that twenty five thousand years had gone by. All I knew and all I loved curdled into history, then dismissed as myth. Not even dust remains of those who were dear to me. I have outlived planets, and the very constellations are scrambled and strange. I am alone in a way none of you can possibly imagine. Oof. Yeah, she... Yeah, she kind of has this huge, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's suffering That's from... such a better written character yeah. than fucking Ray. <laughs> oh, yeah. What the fuck, Yeah, any female character from the Legends era of Star Wars is many times better than Ray. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, I just wish that, uh... Oh, much better. Yeah, I just wish that the game she was introduced to was uh, better because uh, <laughs> it has one of those instances of bad game syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not the point of this episode. Um, over time, Arden and Lynn would realize that Palpatine would not follow through with his promise of reviving her lost love, and she would eventually go rogue. Um... So in the game, she has a couple of students that she personally trained in the art of Terrace Kaze, and one of them is a sand person. Oh wow! Yeah, I gotta, I gotta copy and paste this for you. But but it's one of those old instances of uh, giving <laughs> people names by their uh, personality or the sounds they utter. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Let me see if I can find it real quickly for you. Okay, Anna, I want you to look in the chat. See if you could pronounce this name for me. Nope, not gonna <laughs> try. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the literal name of a character in the uh, fighting game. Wow. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's really, really weird. Kind of, kind of like how like mocap in Mortal Kombat is like okay, that's weird, but this is just unpronounceable. <laughs> oh man, I. By the way, very proud of you for uh, mentioning an old Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, kind yeah. of getting into it now that I'm more into like Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah, um, the lore is so weird, but it's it's actually kind of fun in its own way, if that makes any sense. Hmm. But yeah, um, so, you know, Arden Lynn, she would train a couple of students, but uh, I think she actually falls in love with another Dark Jedi. But unfortunately, uh, the newly, during the, the Dark Empire series, uh, the newly revived Emperor would eventually track her down and murdered her in revenge for abandoning him. Oof. Damn it. Yeah. She was such a cool character. She didn't deserve to die. <laughs> yeah, Arden Lynn is such a cool character. Like like I said, I, both her and Xandor, they need like a uh, novel series to explore how, you know, how they came to be what they are in history and all that. Like it's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's a Star Wars love story waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, 
I mean, I would go more into depth about the, the next Great Schism of a Jedi Order, but I kind of talked about that in the History of a Sith episode, and that's more relevant on their side of things anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, it, this is a relatively short episode. Uh, that's all I have for the History of a Jedi Part 2. Will we eventually make a Part 3? I don't know. Yeah, we'll eventually make a part three. We have a whole lot of things to catch up on for both the Sith and the Jedi. Yay. <laughs> so, Hannah, what did you think about that uh, exploration of two very cool yet underutilized characters? Arden Lynn is such a cool fucking character. Yeah, she I just is. I another character I like. <laughs> Le- Legends is just so much fucking better. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you also like Kira, who's also uh, canon. I know, but a lot of Legends stuff is just better. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Now, of course, there's like, a couple of things. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that pain, Hannah. I feel that pain in my very soul. Yeah, I... I'm seriously starting to consider saving up to go to Legends Con with you. <laughs> that would be appreciated, my fellow co-hosts. I'll have to see if there's uh, any ticket sales anytime soon. I don't know, but that that does sound like a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, um, real life things aside, uh, that is our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, oh my god, canon, start making fucking better female characters or just better characters in general (laughs) all right well speaking of characters hannah you want to know what our next episode's going to be about who we talking about oh i you're going to be really excited for this one uh so for a new year uh we talked about the holidays we returned to the history of a jedi i think it's high time that we explore a popular legends character in this next episode, <laughs> I know, start a drum roll. Brrr. We will be exploring Mara Jade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's going to be one of those characters that I'm going to visibly stress over because, oh my God, her pages on Wikipedia is redonkulously long. It is so fucking long. So I have plenty of material to work with. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, Mara Jade, uh, the Legends waifu. There's always a common meme where Legends writers love redheads. She is absolutely beautiful. Anything that I've seen of fan art for her, she's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And she's got uh, quite the interesting story, but I'll save that for next week, Hannah. Yes, she does. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. Um... I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's kind of a uh, shorter episode than normal. Well, okay, I say that it's over an hour long at this point, but semantics anyway. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to The History of a Jedi, learning a little bit about Xandor and his lover, Arden Lin. Very fascinating characters. I hope you enjoy our series in general. And hey, uh, welcome any new uh viewers of a channel we've been getting a lot of subscribers recently i'm hoping to keep the train rolling with this oh yeah yeah i 
We appreciate you guys very much. I'm looking forward to what new shenanigans we get up to in this brave new year for both me and Hannah. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for supporting us through these two long years of a podcast. We appreciate it greatly. Yes, we do. But until next time, may the force be with you and this is the way. May the force be with you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.